Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Episode 70 of Suncast. What we're all trying to do here is to really try to do for electricity in particular as an energy, a primary energy source, what the internet did for information. We're trying to do that for power, for electricity. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and action shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. Hey, Solar Warrior, and welcome to episode 70 of Suncast. I'm your host, Nico Johnson, and I'm so glad that you're back again with me this week for another episode of Suncast. Hey, what did you think of last week's episode with James Pagonis of PowerHub? I hope you listened through it, and I hope that you learned more about truly listening to your customer while delivering your solution and value. Hey, if you could help me keep the conversation going, you can like and comment over on our blog, on Twitter, or even on LinkedIn. If you do like these episodes, would you please consider sharing with a friend or subscribing and rating in iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play. Hey, you can even now find Suncast on Spotify. Woohoo! And so we're back with a Suncast soundbite, a brief morsel of sunlight to get you through the work week. And hey, speaking of work week, another has come to a close, and I've been down here in Mexico City all week for the Green Tech Media Mexico Summit. And I apologize if I sound a little bit like a frog, and I also apologize that this is coming to you on a Friday instead of a Thursday. I have been dealing with this head cold and sore throat and have literally been unable to record all this week. Well, hey, we got a chance to see some really, really good friends and fans of Suncast even while down here in Mexico City, learning all about the Mexico market and how it is truly blowing up. It was a joy to see my super fan and my man, Gabriel Perez from Puerto Rico, hang out with my good friend, Carlos Abad, my dear friend, Patricia Tato from ATA, and even to hang out with the GTM crew, Manan Parikh and the great Stephen Lacey, some of you know from the Energy Gang or perhaps from the episode he did here on Suncast. You know, the Mexico market is truly heating up. I was particularly surprised to see the data around the distributed generation market in Mexico. Wow, it is going to be big, but I'll save that for another episode. This week on Suncast, I'm resurrecting a conversation that I had with Brian Patterson, President of the Emerge Alliance, an open industry association developing standards leading to the rapid adoption of DC power distribution in commercial buildings. Well, I met Brian back in SPI 2017 in Las Vegas, and after asking around a little bit about the microgrid that had been built to power a section of the enormous trade show that is solar power, I was directed to Mr. Brian, and we got a chance to sit down and chat. But more than chat, Brian gave me a clinic on the history of microgrids. And if you're at all interested in the evolution and indeed the renaissance of DC-powered systems, you should stick around for today's discussion. We talk about why Charles Kettering is actually the father of microgrids, how early microgrids in rural America serve as a great template for the modern era, 
we look at the work that Emerge Alliance is actually doing to address energy access globally for the 1.5 billion people globally who don't have access to energy and the other several billion who have limited access. And of course, we talk about that DC microgrid that Emerge created to power an entire section of SPI. Well, as always, if there's a topic or expert you think should be on Suncast, or maybe if you just have a question you'd like me or one of our experts to answer, you can shoot me an email, a LinkedIn message. I'm always on LinkedIn. Or you could even just pop over to the website and leave me a quick voicemail right from your smartphone. It really is easy. Maybe I'll start a segment called Your Questions Answered or Ask Nico. I don't know yet, but you could certainly start the discussion over at www.mysuncast.com. All right. Thanks again for setting aside this time in your day. I am so grateful for you, and I hope that you enjoy this week's episode of Suncast with Brian Patterson of Emerge Alliance. Brian, if you would, just kind of walk me through what we were just discussing. Microgrids as a revolution versus evolution. And a little bit, perhaps, we'll, we'll step into kind of what you guys worked on here with the microgrid at the show and where Emerge Alliance is spending a lot of its time and effort. Yeah, a lot of people would start the story with the story of Edison and Westinghouse and Nikola Tesla and so on. I kind of started with the discussion about rural microgrids in the United States that really started to come about starting in about 1917 with the invention by a gentleman by the name that many people know, Charles Kettering uh, and his partner uh, Sloan, uh, who later on in life, he became the uh, research director for Delco Electronics and so on, the automotive company, and, and ultimately uh, gave a lot of his uh, accumulated wealth back in uh, the Sloan Kettering Cancer Research Foundation and so on. But in any case, his invention was the electric start motor for combustion engines. Now, how does that relate to microgrids? Well, one of the things about the microgrid is you can be uh, isolated and independent, so you have to have a system that can operate on its own most of the time. And so with the electric start motor, an electrical system, say in a rural farm in America in the Midwest, could put a stack of batteries, and at that time it was all lead-acid batteries, and they started out with 32-volt systems, DC, direct current, as you know, is native to batteries. They would charge those batteries occasionally with this electric start combustion engine. They ran the dynamo, the generator, to recharge the batteries. Or if uh, the farmer was using a lot of power, it might use the batteries in combination with the generator. Those were the first microgrids. Starting in 1917, formed a company called Delco Light, using the Edison light bulb at the time, the electric start motor. Through 1970 through about 1950, they had sold about a million microgrids, which was when it started to reverse because rural electrification was in full swing then, and and most farms uh, were then uh, connected to the grid, and people started to divest themselves of of the microgrids. There was no really thought at the time of using those microgrids as backup power and things that we are starting to talk about now with microgrids. In any case... That's a 100-year-old history. So we're kind of uh, going back a little bit in deja vu with the advent of new technologies. But instead of the Edison bulb, the incandescent bulb, which is relatively wasteful, we have LEDs. And instead of lead-acid batteries of the old type, although there are many good lead-acid batteries today, we've advanced that technology into lithium, iron phosphate, and magnesium, and so on and so forth, many of the new technologies. So batteries have done this complete evolution. 
And instead of just a little droop controller with a couple of contactors on to, to start a, a combustion engine, we have solar panels that we can uh, activate and use and, and regulate and, uh, with MPPT technology and so on with power semiconductors, uh, all new technology. Early microgrids, though, are a beautiful template of uh, where we're going uh, uh, back to in the microgrid scheme. And, of course, a microgrid is that system that can either be used on or off-grid in support of the grid or instead of the grid, et cetera, et cetera, lots of different degrees of scale. So the microgrid evolution now is a little bit like, because I came up through the computer age, today that electronics and digital world is the majority of what we use to do work, whether it's computing or actual physical work, most of it is going to electric and, and through the use of semiconductor technology as, I'll say, regulated or informed by our wonderful communication system, typically using the internet protocols and, and the protocols surrounding the internet. So in that evolution, you can look at a solar battery home microgrid sort of as the original home computer was to computing and information. So now we have a personal power plan, if you will, just like a personal computer. And I don't want to limit it to that, but the, the simile is there. So what happened when the personal computer came around? We started realizing that we could connect computers together and we could communicate in a new way and share information in a new way, just like we're exploring sharing power in a new way, peer to peer. And it's not to say as we know even with computing, that didn't lead to the demise of large computing and large computer firms and so on. It actually complemented and supplemented, just as it will with home solar systems and uh, community microgrids and things, will complement supplement what we already enjoy from the utilities and through the large-scale uh, power systems. I don't look at it, as some do, as an either-or kind of thing, on-grid, off-grid, all that kind of stuff. It's all of it. It's all together. It's like asking, well, where's the best place to put a battery in a system? I say, where do we put storage in the computer system? Everywhere, right? Then we a little bit up by the cache, you know, for a little bit of ride-through memory, and all the way down to the cloud now, which is this huge sink of information. I suppose the only difference between electricity or electrons and information which is often moved in the form of electrons, is we can't copy or replicate energy like we can replicate information <laughs> rapidly so everybody can have uh, you know, the same information at the same time. But I think we're headed for this new digital age of energy, in particular electrical energy. And I think what we're all trying to do here is to really try to do for electricity in particular as an energy, a primary energy source, what the internet did for information. We're trying to do that for power for electricity. And why? Because information without the ability to do work, which takes energy, is not particularly useful. Okay, so you need to act on that information or perform work or change what you're doing. And that's what the electricity is there to do. If you can do work, you can create wealth. And I don't just mean monetary wealth, but put a roof over your head or raise a crop and produce well-being and ultimately make that a sustainable effort in a growing population in the world. The one thing that we're in eMERGE and other organizations I work with the IEC and the IEEE on is electricity access. There are Something approaching 1.2 to maybe 1.5 billion people in the world that have no access to electricity. 
And for those of us who have become very reliant on that access, imagine a world without electricity. We only get to experience that in the worst of our times. For example, very contemporary hurricanes, Harvey, Irma, earlier, Sandy. And look at how devastating that is at the time. And I don't mean just the physical devastation, but the mental devastation of not having electricity for periods of time, just days. And some people don't have it ever. And so we're trying to figure out a way to use microgrid strategies to allow the developing parts of the world to have the resource of electricity to bring their uh, work into an economic realm that becomes useful to the rest of the world community. Therefore, become a, a you know full citizen of the world economy. So we're working in places where there is no electricity, and that starts out being a small, typically it starts out at least being a small solar microgrid. Doesn't need all the assets of uh, heavy infrastructure and all that to start out with. Ultimately, we'd like to connect into the big infrastructure, just like now, my home computer started out as an isolated thing, wasn't even on a network, but now I connect into the cloud, and the cloud is like this enormous store of uh, capability and right. uh, information. So you don't want to say, hey, I don't start with a, a home microgrid or home solar thing and never connect into the, the big network of electricity and energy. I say to people when they think about going down the path of uh, distributed energy and uh, more self-sufficiency and pr- being a pro- an active prosumer and so on, Don't forget that you'll want to enjoy the aggregated effect of all of us as individuals working together in smart communities and smart cities and so on to take advantage of of both ends of the spectrum, of both the personal capability but then the community capability. Right. I appreciate that. And and that leads us to the discussion around creating the Internet. You were telling me a little about this. Can you characterize what the Internet is for you and how the Emerge Alliance is involved here? It's really aggregating personal power systems or enterprise level power systems, which in computing they call them local area networks, right? Or home personal area network or personal home network. Aggregating that all the way up until you have a world network. Today, we started out with less than a few hundred thousand computers that were connected together in the late 70s. Some people may even remember ARPANET and the original government work in connecting computers across the country, mostly universities at the time. We've come from that. We're hundreds or thousands of computers were connected together in the network. To today, they're estimated somewhere between 7 and 12 billion computing devices that are simultaneously and instantaneously able to communicate with each other in what we now call the Internet. There is no reason in my mind why we can't do the same with electricity. And once we do that, what we use electricity for today will change radically. It will expand into the concepts that uh, circle my mind uh, on a a restful day to include augmented reality and all kinds of maybe electronic space travel and so on and so forth. Just kind of wild things for a lot of people. And I've, you know, on occasion been called goofy for talking about some of this stuff. But uh, I think it's entirely possible, just like nobody thought of what we are now doing with the Internet. You couldn't even imagine that in as late as 1990 or 1995. And I don't think that it's all bad. And some people characterize the Internet saying, oh, look at the generation we're raising now. They're all couch potatoes, texting, and so on and so forth. Well, it also, and probably this is a bad example, but a good one in in sort of a functional way, things like Pokemon. At least we got 
people who are now in sort of a mixed reality, virtual reality world to start getting up off their couch, going out, interacting with nature and each other in, you know, sort of an augmented way through this dynamic and really interesting uh, uh, way to the point where the vast majority, I think, of the way that people meet each other today is electronic and not physical in the sense that they don't you often meet people now in the electronic world long before you meet them in the real world. Brian, so you guys have this uh, direct current microgrid that you worked on with NSYNC, and it is powering an entire stage here at the show. And it sounds like you guys are going to take this thing on the road. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, how it came together and what it was intended to illustrate and, and where you see it going from there? Three years ago, I was at a trade show, a green building trade show. And I uh, was explaining to people about the potential for microgrids and the uh, greater use of renewable energy and clean energy and so on. And when I explained the full thing, I think the fellow I was talking to looked at me a little bit like a space cadet and, and said, you know, that's just crazy. That's never going to happen. And I said, well, you just come back here in a couple of years and we'll be powering a trade show with solar energy, you know. And this is like 10 years ago. And one of my associates said to me, what the heck did you tell him that for? You can't, we can't do that. And I said, yes, we can. Is there any reason we couldn't do it if we really wanted to do it? About three days later, I got a hold of the show management. Would you guys be interested in trying an experiment to power this trade show, which proposes to be green and good for the thing, but we're still using, you know, electricity off the, you know, fossil fuel and so on. Let's do a microgrid and add a component of it, at least, to uh, to renewable resource like solar. And they said, you can do that? And I said, yeah, I think so. You know, you know we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> the next year we did it at the first trade show. It was actually in New Orleans, the site of Katrina. And when the folks there saw it and saw what we were doing, and it was a tiny thing, we powered about 12 or 15 booths around us and a little a booth of our own. We were kind of on a little community microgrid, all, again, people in the Emerge Alliance at, at that time. So from there, we've come to this now, where we're powering a bigger part of the trade show. We have more solar power being injected from outside. I hope that next year we're going to include different power sources like hydrogen fuel cells and some enhanced wind technologies and so on. Because the beauty of the microgrid is that it is a, a level playing field, if you will, for technologies, much like the Internet is. doesn't matter whether you have an Apple computer or an Android phone or, you know, whatever. They can talk and be in the same system if you devise the infrastructure properly. And that's really what eMERGE is proposing, that we set up standards and such that doesn't matter what technology you use. Even, and I often said this, we can run a microgrid with an 1890 Edison, what they call Daddy Long Legs uh, Dynamo, as easily as we can power it with solar panels from modern technology, because the technology of a, a microgrid, the concept of a microgrid is that level playing field, just like the uh, internet. The big thing we have is that most people who talk about that potential put it in PowerPoints and <laughs> presentations that are on paper, if you will, or on virtual paper. We're trying to show it in the physical world and show that it's real, it's available, and not completely the ecosystem isn't uh, as robust as it will eventually be. But you can start now, just like I started in, uh, I think it was 74, 75 with my first personal computers, and, and look at where it's taken us all. So we're trying to show the folks that it's real. And how would folks learn more about Emerge Alliance? Okay, they can certainly, the easiest way is to go on the internet and just Google emergealliance.org, O-R-G. 
and you'll see, or you can go on YouTube, and uh, if you put in eMERGE Alliance and search on that, you'll see some of our videos and and uh, some of the presentations we've done. Indeed. Well, Brian Patterson will be following along as Emerge Alliance and assisting partners help to indeed make this a better world. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the opportunity. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, and you're now well-armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the axe a little bit more, I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, nico at mysuncast.com or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend. And stay tuned.